Well, it was a very choppy week last week, wasn't it, with markets torn between central banks seemingly trying to cool things down and Omicron, let's be honest, doing a better job of that right now. Some countries are clinging to the hope that the new strain isn't that bad. Others in Europe are locking themselves down again or at least restricting the mingling of human beings. And if it wasn't Christmas this weekend, would more of them be onto that right now as well? All in all, surely it's going to be a very cautious Christmas. It's Monday, the 20th of December, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar had a very choppy week with the Fed and all. It was basically only up half percent on the week, but that is pretty much how much it rose on Friday. The pound lost 0.6% on Friday, so any gains from the Bank of England's surprise move was short-lived. The Aussie dollar lost more than 0.8% on Friday, uh, without which it would have made a slight gain over the week, but uh, but then it lost uh, 0.6% down on the week, down at uh, 71.25, 71 and a quarter US cents. The stock market in the US finished the week on a bit of a downer. The Dow down 1.5%, more than 1% for the S&P 500. The Nasdaq pretty flat, but it lost almost 3% over the entire week. And Treasury yields down a little, 10 years at 1.4%. That's about eight basis points down on the week before. And big falls in oil on Friday as well, more than 2% for Brent and WTI. WTI is at 70.86 now. A week before, it was a little over a dollar more than that. But of course, you know, go back to just before the pandemic, anything in the 70s would have looked all right, wouldn't it? But generally, uh, not the optimism that you might hope for uh, a week out from Christmas. We've got no big data events today. Not a lot from Friday either. Uh, I tell you, we could be out of here very quickly. But let's see what there is to look at with uh, Tapa Strickland from NAB in Sydney. I mean, look, the the Fed certainly uh, gave a lot of volatility to the markets, didn't it, last week? Uh, None more so than, I mean, look at the Nasdaq. It was on a bit of a roller coaster ride last week, wasn't it? Uh, Good morning, Phil. Yes, there has been a bit of a roller coaster ride in terms of tech stocks on the back of the Fed meeting last Wednesday. And we've got some interesting comments by uh, Federal Reserve Governor Waller on Friday that played to a bit more of that uh, volatility. And the three things he said that market reacted to was that uh, inflation is alarmingly high. And actually, Mm -hmm. when you look at the Fed dot plot, they've got core PC inflation at 2.7% 2.7% in 2022 and 2.3% in uh, 2023. So uh, both being above the Fed's target, uh, even with a rate hike path of um, three rate hikes in uh, 2022. Um, he said that the March meeting could be live for a rate hike. And I think that's important just given that by March is when they expect the uh, the uh, QE to be fully tapered and ended uh, and then the Fed could actually undertake quantitative tightening uh, by mid-2022 mm. and that would start to allow some of those maturing treasury securities to, to, to roll off and I think that's the thing that has really captured markets on Friday is that well, that, has, the, that, the has a much more in, that, that has much more impact doesn't it when they start selling treasury bonds to the open market I mean that is when they are reducing the amount of money in circulation that, that's going to have more impact than, uh, th- than rate rises isn't it yeah, and that that was one of Waller's interesting remarks there. He said, if we do some balance sheet runoff by summer, that will take some pressure off. You don't have to raise rates quite as much. Mm. Um, and, and that's true in that respect, but it's also very uncertain in terms of the effect of quantitative tightening. The Fed has only really done it once before, uh, and it looked like that tightened up financial conditions quite considerably in that 2017-2018 period. And the Fed actually reversed course quite quickly on on rate hikes and went towards rate cuts. Uh, And so I guess for the market, just given their most recent experience in terms of quantitative tightening, um, I think Mm. people are going to be very cautious if the Fed does embark in terms of actively selling down its uh, 
Treasury holdings by mid. We're doing both at the same time. Couldn't they just keep rates flat and then say, "Well, we're going to we're going to start selling bonds off and uh, you know and see how that goes." I, I mean, they've got a lot to get rid of. <laughs> That's for oh, sure. It's 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 well, it's always a possibility out there, but we do know that Fed dot plot has three hikes penciled in mm. for 2022, uh, and we do know there was a Fed Jackson Hole paper um, that was put out um, in August that noted that uh, quantitative tightening shouldn't be underestimated in terms of a policy instrument. So um, it does seem to be that at least Waller is supportive of starting to run down the Fed balance sheet, either by allowing Treasury securities to mature or by outright selling later on. And that's also a topic of discussion that the Bank of England will probably have as well. Yeah, it was a topic of discussion we're going to have a lot next year, I suspect, isn't it? And then on top of all of that, you know, we've got Joe Biden's Build Back Better program, which, you know, might have put a bit of extra money into the economy. I know a lot of it wasn't new, but we were talking at $1.7 trillion, uh, being fed into the economy. Uh, it looks like that's not going to happen now. They're not going to get the support. Yeah, it looks like it's dead in the water. And I think that's quite important in terms of the coming year, especially with the November midterm elections. And it does look like the Republicans are in the box seat to get the Senate and the House. And uh, in that environment, you could expect a lot of fiscal restraint. So monetary policy could be tightening and fiscal policy could also be tightening. And that's quite a potent uh, Mm. combination. And just worth reflecting what uh, Larry Summers said last week, um, where he saw a 30 to to 40% chance of a US recession over the next two years. Um, So there are some people still out there in the market fearing that uh, the US Fed will over tighten policy uh, and as a result what you have seen is curves flattening over the past couple of months and you're actually seeing a little bit of curve inversion in in things such as uh, the euro dollar futures um, in OICE forward contracts as well. Mm. Well, look, you know, if they really want to see uh, how far they can push it, they could follow the England, uh, the UK example and uh, uh, put up tax at the, at the same time if they really want to squeeze the economy. Uh, look, there was one glimmer of optimism maybe on Friday. Yeah, the UK retail sales numbers for November at 1.4% month on month, 4.7% year on year, which was more than expected. A lot of that is fuel, of course, because this is based on, on prices rather than volumes. When you take out the fuel, it was uh, still 2.7% up on the year, which is, you know, the best since April. But I wonder how much of that do you, is your sense that this was just a blip that, uh, you know, inflation concerns were making people shop early, perhaps shopping early for Christmas and maybe also fearing perhaps there's going to be another lockdown at some point. It's, it's quite possible that uh, people are fearing another lockdown. And I think uh, this week will start off on a pretty soft and cautious tone, just given that uh, the Netherlands has announced lockdown restrictions uh, starting from uh, Sunday, so starting from yesterday and going to the 14th of January. And that's the first European country to go into lockdown. And there are a number of scientific advisors in the UK who are urging the government to further tighten restrictions and perhaps uh, go towards more of a lockdown uh, type of scenario. Uh, The UK health authorities haven't ruled it out, um, but at this stage aren't, aren't going there. Um, the the scientific uh, committee that advises the, the government, uh, SAGE, has said uh, their modelling suggests Om- um, Omicron peak hospitalisations could peak around 3,000 a day in England. And uh, if you recall, at the peak of the pandemic uh, back um, last year, I think they peaked around just above 4,000. Uh, so you are getting closer towards the peaks in terms of hospitalizations, in terms of a forecasting modeling sense, and that will definitely put pressure on health authorities to tighten up well, restrictions to try and prevent that. Well, there's been a leaked paper, and I think the way governments work, isn't it? They tend to leak a paper uh, from an official body before they actually tell you that that's actually what they're going to do, which would sort of indicate after Christmas, if you follow the leaked paper, that they would... Uh, uh, restrict um, pubs and restaurants to eating outdoors. 
which when it's snowing outside is, isn't going to be particularly good for custom. Uh, and, you know, you've got an 8pm curfew that's been introduced in Ireland as well. So it's not just the Netherlands and France and Germany who are restricting travel from the UK. So, I mean, they really are starting to close up things, aren't they? Quite a bit there. Uh, but also, uh, you know, Joe Biden is supposedly going to lay out a plan as well on, on Tuesday about how the US is going to combat this new strain. But also, I mean, look at the numbers in Australia. Are we just going to ignore those numbers and watch them uh, rise? Or, or is something going to happen more locally, do you think? Well, there are a lot of talk about tightening restrictions to the extent of making uh, mask wearing compulsory in indoor settings again. Uh, so in New South Wales, you obviously don't have to wear masks uh, indoors. So that could be one of the me, uh, one right. of the measures. But nothing nothing that's going to have the economic twint. consequences that we're seeing in Europe, though. Uh, at this stage, it doesn't. And you'd have to say the evidence out of South Africa is still pointing towards Omicron being uh, relatively mild compared to the Delta variant. And uh, one study there indicated T-cell responses. So these aren't antibodies. These are the T-cells. Um showed if you had two shots of the Pfizer vaccine, um, it was still 70 to 80% effective against a severe illness. And I think that goes to some way uh, in terms of reconciling why we have seen a large surge in Omicron cases. It's doubling, say, every two two to three days, but you haven't seen uh, nearly the same rate as increase in hospitalizations. Um, The the uncertain factor, though, is um, for those people who aren't vaccinated, uh, do they have a greater likelihood of um, getting severe um, illness. And so I think that's where a lot of the challenges in terms of ho- of hospital- hospitalizations will be. And then the other one is in Europe and in North America, people were vaccinated relatively early. Uh, so vaccine efficacy has been waning because of that time period, as well as any potential impact in terms of vaccine efficacy from the Omicron variant as well. Yeah, it can still slow economies down, of course, can't it? If people are, you know, lots of people are getting it and therefore they're off work. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's hitting Europe a, a, a fair bit. So, you know, you could find healthcare workers, shops, schools, restaurants, you know, having to close down earlier uh, or reduce their hours because they just don't have the staff because so many people have got the blasted thing. But uh, look, we'll see, won't we? Look, it's uh, quiet as a mouse today, isn't it? Actually, we haven't talked about uh, Gemini phone numbers very quickly before we move on to today. Uh, they weren't too great, were they? So, I mean, that just adds to this uh, pessimism that exists in Europe at the moment. Uh, we, you know, on top of what we saw with the, the services PMI for Germany, which was lower than expected uh, the day before as well. So things aren't exactly getting better for Europe right now, are they? No, and you have to say with a number of countries tightening restrictions in January, oh, sorry, yeah. now till, till, till January, then you'd expect um, a further deterioration to occur from here. The headline IFA, I think, came in at 94.7 from 96 And I guess the other thing worth noting as well is we've had a few central bank speakers ranging from the Bank of England, from the ECB and uh, the US Fed, who have noted that Omicron presents two-way risk in terms of the economy. Um, It could impact on growth, although with each wave of the virus, it seems to have less of an impact. Uh, But they also are very cognizant about the potential impact on inflation and that it could actually be an inflationary impact. net impact on on the economy. And so what you may actually get is continued tightening, even as perhaps Omicron does slow some of the growth momentum next year. So you're saying it adds to inflation because of supply chain difficulties, you mean? Uh, Yes. Um, And there have been a few US forecasters who have actually revised up their forecast for US inflation on the back of uh, potential supply chain problems coming out of Asia as the Omicron variant starts to spread there. So very similar to what we saw with the Delta variant in the middle of the year. 
Now, as I was about to say before, I rudely interrupted myself. It's uh, quiet as a mouse today. We get uh, New Zealand's trade balance, the uh, Westpac Consumer Confidence for New Zealand tomorrow morning. Uh, the, the ANZ business confidence read on for New Zealand for December on Friday was down quite a bit as well, wasn't it? From minus 16.4 in November to minus 23.2 in December. So uh, New Zealand's losing a bit of its mojo, isn't it? Oh, yes, it does seem like that. It seems like a, a combination of tighter policy and then also the global uncertainty coming from the Omicron variant as as well and uh, yeah the only other thing locally is rba minutes as well on uh, on uh, on tuesday will we get anything out of that yeah for the rba minutes we're not expecting any new ground there but it's just worth noting what governor lowe said last week and uh, in that speech he did push back on market pricing for interest rate rises in 2022 but for us interestingly he made little mention of 2024 uh, which suggests the RBA's central scenario is now seeing hikes in 2023 as being more probable, uh, and that perhaps the RBA's upside scenario is now sitting in late 2022 uh, or early 2023. Uh, the, uh, the other thing worth noting there is they also discussed uh, QE options, uh, and so that may be reflected in the minutes there. Uh, Governor Lowe said uh, the RBA was looking at either f- finishing QE in February, uh, doing one last taper and finishing in May, or uh, doing uh, QE purchases beyond that. Uh, Their default view seemed to be that they would finish in May um, based on their November forecast. But uh, Governor Lowe said if the data surprised them to the upside, then they could end QE purchases in February. And you'd have to say after Thursday, Stellar labor market print, which had the unemployment rate at 4.6%, that there's little use for QE. So NAB's view is that QE will end in February. Mm. All right. Uh, USPC deflators as well, probably the biggest number later on in the week, but we'll We'll leave it there for now. Two more podcasts before Christmas, but you're off for the rest of the year. You're off the hook now, Tapper. So uh, have a good Christmas break. Uh, fantastic. You too, Phil. And that's how things are this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.